Griff Talks Football. It's not an original name, but uh, I don't care. It's my show. Um, so I meant to kind of release this earlier, but I've just been busy. Um, so this past week or weekend, if you will, of uh, the week one games were, were very interesting. Um, so in this episode, it's kind of a wrap up to season one. Uh, so I'll do more seasons when it comes to the off season of football itself, generally about NFL, since this podcast is about NFL mostly. Uh, too many damn college games. This is why I don't usually follow college. But um, so I'll be doing more seasons with particular themes on that. Uh, but for now, we'll this show in particular will transition to what I would call daily talks, in which I would. Uh, do an episode reviewing the games, and then I'll do an episode prior to uh, Sunday Sunday's games uh, while also reviewing a Thursday night game, which, by the way, if you're a Bucks fan or a Panthers fan or just a fan of some players on those teams, uh, that will be Thursday night's game. I think it will be featured on Fox uh, Sports. Um, so if you, if you really want to check that out, uh, go for it. Go check out the game. Uh, but today's episode... I'll be predicting teams. Yes, I can still predict, even though it was only week one. But uh, prior to the game starting, this is why I really felt like each team uh, will make the playoffs, or like these particular teams will. I'm going to give you one reason as to why to look at that team, why they would be successful, or why um, the one reason why it would give them the greatest chance to make the playoffs. And then I'll also talk about a little bit about Antonio Brown's stupid antics um, and the recent unfortunate and just shitty event going on. Um, it's uh, it's terrible. And then as well as reviewing the the games, both from Sunday's game, Thursday last Thursday game between the Packers and Bears, and then the Monday night games. Yes, I'll even review the Raiders versus Broncos, which. I have no interest in those teams, but yes, I'll review those. So, let's get started. In terms of teams making playoffs, uh, remember there's an AFC and NFC conference, and there are six playoff positions, and the best team um, who wins it all will represent the AFC, one team will represent the NFC going into the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54 this year, I believe. But I'm going to go from six to one. So, let's start with the AFC. Uh, number six. A team that will make that six or claim that six playoff position will be the Titans. One reason to look at them is Derrick Henry. Their offense is going to flow through Derrick Henry. Um, looking at the the game in which they beat the Browns, my Browns, really badly. Um, they ran both a little bit of zone and power. They dumped it off to Derrick Henry on the screen, who just took it to 75 yards, no problem. Just Derrick Henry, the big physical back. Um, he's capable of running power. He's got great speed and great vision and patience when it comes to running zone uh, because those systems, I've explained in the past a little bit, but those systems are totally different in terms of how, to, how you run the ball. But whether it's gap plays like power pulling guards or zone plays where you're trying to uh, stretch the, the defense horizontally just to cut up downfield or just cut outside if, that's, if there's an open gap there, Derrick Henry can do – both of those things. He's a very excellent back. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if he's in top three rushing yards this year. I would not be surprised. Um, that's the reason why, one reason why the Titans will make the playoffs. 
Number five, the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, one reason looking at them is Phil Rivers. He's getting up there in age. I remember he came from the same draft class as Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning back in 2004. Of course, Ben Roethlisberger won two Super Bowls out of three. Uh, Eli has won two Super Bowls. Phillip has none. So this will probably be his best year, his best season to, to uh, be able to claim a Super Bowl, to be able to at least go to the Super Bowl. Um, this is the most talented team he's been around since the 06 Chargers with Danny and Thompson, and they were run heavy. So again, uh, look at Phil Rivers to see how well he's played, how well he plays. Um, he's got an O-line uh, with him. He's got plenty of receivers. Uh, he's got running backs that can catch the ball well. He doesn't have Melvin Gordon, but they still have good, amazing running backs. Uh, so look at Phil Rivers. Number four, the Cleveland Browns. Um, I think the AFC North overall is going to be a tight race, and it's going to be between the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Browns. Um, I would say look at Freddie Kitchens. Look at how he coaches. He's not the offense coordinator. He is the head coach, but he is taking uh, play-calling duties. The offense coordinator is Steve Moinkin. Um, however, his role is going to assist Freddie Kitchens in the best way he can um, with play-calling duties, with establishing the offensive game plan per week against the opponent they're facing. So look at Freddie Kitchens and how he handles the team and how he uh, calls plays and how um, he puts the team both offensively and defensively. And he's not that defensive play caller, uh, but as a head coach all around, he's all around. He's got huge responsibilities. And so look and see how he sets up the Browns to be successful. Um, being a first-year head coach is stressful anyway, as well as being you know 17 years, 18 years. There's always stress going on. Uh, let's see how he handles that, and that's probably the biggest reason, one reason why Browns will make the playoffs. All right, number three. Oh, Browns were number four. We're number four playoff position. Number three, Kansas City Chiefs. One reason to look at them, Kansas City defense. Uh, they fire Bob Sutton. They hire a different defense corner. Can't remember his name, unfortunately. Um, now, granted, yes, uh, on Sunday, they surrendered 26 points to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, so we'll have to see throughout the rest of the season how that defense plays. That was the weakness last season for Kansas City, you can definitely make an argument as to why they lost in the AFC Championship game. It's very hard to just rely on one side of the ball to carry you and to have a, a great record, whether going 13-3, 14-2, whatever it may be, um, a, to have a winning season when the other side of the ball, whether defense, maybe offense is slacking. Um, so you really have to see how Kansas City defense uh, performs uh, for this year. Number two, Houston Texans. One reason, the health of wide receivers. Everyone talks about the offensive line, the health and play of Deshaun Watson. Uh, the, maybe some of the restructure, some talks about the restructure of the defense, how healthy is J.J. Watt, how well he's going to perform. Um, side note, amazing game, by the way, Monday night. I just wish that Houston were able to, were, were able to win that, which I will talk about that later in this episode. Um but you got to look at the health of the wide receivers. Will Fuller has not been healthy since 2016. He has been has torn ACLs both in his knees in 2017-2018. So we have to see how he does, how healthy he stays, how well he runs his routes, how, how well he catches the ball. And does he still have that speed, which it looks like he still has the speed from, from last night. 
uh, or from Monday night's game. Um, so you have to see how well he plays. Um, same thing with Kiki QT and same thing with Kenny Stills. Uh, can those receivers stay healthy? And um, from any indication of Monday night's game, the Texans are going to go shotgun heavy, uh, pass heavy as well. Yes, they did run the ball. Yes, they had over 100 yards rushing. Uh, however, it's going to be through the arm and the mobility of Deshaun Watson as well as the uh, health of wide receivers and how well DeAndre Hopkins plays this year. He's always been excellent. Um, he had a couple drop passes last night uh, or Monday night's game. So, again, health wide receivers is the reason why Houston will be at the number two playoff position in the AFC. All right, number, uh, number one, this isn't a surprise, New England Patriots. But one reason in particular why is to, to see them why they would be successful this year is Bill Belichick's play calling defensively. He hasn't called uh, any defensive plays since 2011. Yes, that year the Patriots did go to the Super Bowl but lost to the Giants again. Uh, the defense wasn't good except for the red zone. I think they're uh, ranked during that year the top 10 in points per game. But they were bad in yardage. They really were. Um, but they were good in forcing turnovers as well. I think top 10 for that. So you have to see how Belichick, uh, I mean, he's, he's a defense-minded head coach. He's always established a defense game plan. But it's one thing to establish a game plan, and then it's another thing to not call it. So he hasn't called defense plays again since 2011. So uh, if you've seen Sunday night football, uh, Patriots v. Steelers this past week, um, or this past Sunday, it was total domination. Um, so again, they only held the Steelers to three points. So you have to see how the rest of the season goes. That's one reason why you will look at the Patriots. Why they'll be number one is because of Bill Belichick's defense play calling. All right, let's shift to the NFC. Starting number six, the 49ers. One reason why to look at them is Kyle Shanahan. He's got healthy players right now for his offense and defense. He's an offensive play caller and a head coach. He's got his own scheme that's tend to be successful for any team that runs it, especially for play action passes. He's got a healthy Jimmy G again, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's got running backs. He's got receivers. He's got everything he needs. It's now going to come down to the execution. Um, obviously, they didn't play too well. Yes, they won a game against the Buccaneers, but they did not play too well uh, offensively. So you have to see how well throughout the season, how well Kyle Shanahan handles the play calling, handles the head coaching responsibilities going into his third season. He hasn't had a winning season with the 49ers uh, throughout his ten, tenure there. So if he doesn't have a winning season this year, despite injuries, Despite not having injuries, not putting it together, um, he will probably most likely get fired. Um, see how Colin Shanahan handles that. All right, number five, Vikings. Vikings offense. Uh, their defense, under Mike Zimmer, as a head coach slash defensive play caller, they've been dominant since he's been there. Um, obviously, they didn't make the playoffs last year, but you can definitely – you know, you can point the finger at Kirk Cousins if you want, but he had an amazing stat line. You can point at the woes, the offense, the offensive line, but they were able to fix that. You can point at the unbalanced play calling, um, which they have a different offense coordinator. Um, so look how balanced not only the Vikings' offense overall will be, 
I look to see how if they go run heavy, which they did against Atlanta. So imagine they'll do that consistently throughout the season. Um, but, you know, you don't pay a quarterback that much money. You only throw 10 passes. That's not going to happen every game. Uh, I guarantee you that. So look at how well Vikings offense performs this year and why they'll be number five in a playoff position. All right, number four, Eagles. Why? The health of Carson Wentz. He looked first at Rusty in the first half, um, but then looked spectacular in the second half. Come back, beat the Redskins. Uh, he still has an excellent deep ball. He's still accurate, still athletic. All right, so if he stays healthy throughout the season, it's, a, it's most likely guaranteed that the Eagles will not only be in a playoff spot, but will win the NFC East. Despite how competitive it is, excluding the Giants, because goddamn, they fucking suck. Uh, <laughs> um, but the Redskins, they're competitive, surprisingly. So imagine how well they do. Uh, Cowboys will still be up there. But the reason why I would side with the Eagles to win in the NFC East is, how, is the health of Carson Wentz. He hasn't been healthy since 2016. We'll see how he does. All right, number three, the Los Angeles Rams. Why? Jared Goff. They handed his ass a four-year, $134 million contract. Well, I think $70 or $80 million guaranteed. So he's one of the highest quarterbacks. He's one of the few quarterbacks that has over $100 million in a contract, including Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy G. Of course, those quarterbacks, except for Russell, have not been healthy. Um, Aaron played with a score knee. Um, all last year, but he threw 25 touchdowns, two picks, 4,000 yards. wasn't too bad, but offense wasn't really as productive as it could have been uh, with the talent they have. But that's the side note. Uh, again, when you hand a QB, as I've made in an argument uh, from a couple episodes ago, in which uh, we drive a great roster, a great QB, I, I pointed out that once you handed a QB a $100 million contract for a couple years, Within two years of that contract, the team starts to fall apart in terms of not having great debt or in terms of not having overall talent. And you're basically handing that contract and you're saying to your quarterback, hey, man, look, we're in a win now mode. We're handing you this contract. We're not going to have a great roster within two years. We're basically saying carry us, man. And so you will have to look at how well Jared Goff plays throughout the season. They still have talent all around. Uh, they still so they're not going to necessarily rely on Jared Goff this year, but within the next two to three years, expect them to rely on Jared Goff heavily. Um, so, again, see how Jared Goff plays, and that's the number one reason why the Rams will be at number three this year while also winning their NFC West division. Number two, New Orleans Saints. Look, uh, I'm about to say this player's name. It's not a surprise. Drew Brees, obviously clutch master <laughs> against Houston this past Monday with 37 seconds left, and he just he fucking balled out. You'll and he threw over 300 yards. He only threw deep once, over 20 yards, and it was completed for a touchdown. So the rest of it was just between 10 to 15 yards, but he still managed to get over 300 yards. He had a high completion percentage. He only turned over the ball once. Um, he threw three touchdowns in the process, I believe. Um, so, you look at how well Drew Brees plays. It's uh, He's going to have to throw the ball deep eventually against really good secondaries this year. Um, 
It's not always going to be dink and dunk, unfortunately. Uh, but if Drew Brees really stays healthy and plays really and at the excellent level he's been throughout his career, as well as potentially being at an MVP level, um, that's the reason why the Saints will be number two in the playoff positioning uh, this year. All right, number one, I'm going to give to the Green Bay Packers. One reason, Matt LaFleur. First-year head coach, came from Tennessee as an offense coordinator in 2018. Uh, was an offense coordinator for Rams 2017, even though Sean McVay has been a play caller since he's uh, been there. Uh, the offense under Matt LaFleur's play calling in Tennessee back in 2018 uh, was average, was pedestrian. Uh, until later throughout the season, uh, which they just were able to fix some things and just gave the ball to Derrick Henry a lot. And um, the re- it was part of the reason why the, the Titans were, were in bat- were battling for the playoff position until they lost to the Colts Week 17, which Colts took that number six seed and uh, ran with it uh, in the playoffs. Uh, so that's one thing to look at is Matt LaFleur, first-year head coach. Um, He's got an excellent quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. He's got some players that have had plenty of experience playing in the NFL. He's got a really good roster. He's got talented players on both sides of the ball. It's the fact that how does he handle it? How is he uh, going to help Aaron Rodgers to the best of his ability? Uh, Since it is now going to be a run-heavy scheme, or not run-heavy, but more of a run balance because of the zone scheme, uh, to set up play action passes uh, instead of pass heavy, like Aaron has done throughout his career up until this season. Um, so really look at how Matt Lafour handles things, and because of the players that Matt Lafour has, I'll give the Green Bay Packers number one playoff positioning in the NFC. All right, let's transition to Antonio Brown. Um, so. Was traded to the Raiders in March. Was at the time given the highest paid contract as a wide receiver in NFL history. And he blew it with the Raiders. He, uh, throughout his antics, uh, disrespected the team, broke the team's conduct, uh, and, and didn't, and was always putting himself for, first, which I understand you are being paid, so you are looking for yourself, but. When you're on a football team, when you're in the building, it's about team. And obviously, he didn't put the team first. And now he recently signed with the New England Patriots, but now he's dealing with the accusation um, of, of. I'm not going to do too much in any details, uh, but he, he basically um, assaulted someone. And now he'll be dealing with that, and which means the Patriots may cut him. Patriots may not. Um, but I don't think Antonio Brown's going to stay with New England throughout the entire season. Uh, he's definitely not the best person to be around either. From what I've seen, from what I've read, um, it's just unfortunate. And so that's all I'm going to say about Antonio Brown. You may argue that he's looking out for himself. He didn't want to be with Raiders. Oh, yeah, that's the case. There's definitely different ways to handle 
you know, asking a team to cut them instead of using social media and bashing the Raiders consistently, especially the, the coaching staff and the management, and putting out a video of a private phone call with John Gruden, that's not cool either. I, it's just, it's so fucking stupid of Antonio Brown. And so that's all I'm going to say. All right. We're going to transition to reviewing the games this past Sunday. And I'm going to at least put in a few words to summarize or at least the theme of the game and kind of explain. Um, so here we go. Thursday night's game, last Thursday night's game between Packers and Bears. Green Bay's defense was cheesing. Maybe a little bit you know, of a pun there because they're called the Packers. But look, they made Mitch Trubisky look like a damn rookie again. They also, defensively, they also did pretty well against Mitchell Trubisky. And, I mean, Mitch in that game was like 26 out of 45. I think he was around 50% completion rate, which is not, which is bad, uh, not good. And they sacked him several times. They, he, they intercepted a pass late in the game to kind of milk the clock. And then when they got, when the Bears got the ball back with, one, uh, zero timeouts, one timeout, I believe, at their own 10-yard line. The Packers just smothered them. And so they, the past few years, Green Bay's coaching staff and the uh, scouting and general manager there, scouting staff and general manager there have put a lot of time and effort and free agency and draft picks into this defense. So I expect Green Bay's defense to be dominant this year. I expect Mitchell Trubisky to consistently have a ceiling, uh, which is why I didn't put the Bears into a playoff spot this year. Um, and so I don't think Matt Nagy will get fired, but I certainly think that they will replace Mitchell Trubisky if he does not excel uh, this year. So He's got the talent around him. Um, but you have to see how well Mitchell Trubisky plays. Um, but again, congrats to Green Bay's defense uh, for slugging it out 10-3. to uh, Green Bay goes 1-0 this season. All right, Ravens versus Dolphins. Not bad for a running back. And Fitzmagic no more. Uh, not bad for a running back was a comment by Lamar Jackson, uh, which he's been criticized for not being accurate. Well, um, even though... It was against uh, now rebuilding Miami Dolphins team, going fifty nine to ten at the end of the game, and throwing five touchdown passes. It's not something to ignore. That's very difficult to do in the NFL, or at least in any level. Yes, the rules have changed. It's kind of favored offensively, but as an offensive player, you have to execute within the rules. And Lamar Jackson as a QB was fucking excellent. And so imagine the Ravens. I imagine the Ravens will be in playoff contention this year. I'm still giving it to the Browns this year uh, is to win in the division, but they're not going to go down without a fight. And so congrats to Lamar Jackson for shushing the haters. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick got benched in that game um, for Josh Rosen, who didn't play well either. And so uh, it's going to be a rough season for Ryan Fitzpatrick or even Josh Rosen. Uh, this year, and I, and I imagine was, this will be Ryan Fitzpatrick's last year playing in the NFL, unfortunately. Chiefs versus, versus Jacks. Uh, Mahomes picks up where he left off. Threw, threw over 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, no picks. 
Balling out, 75 completion percentage rate against a talented Jags defense. And, uh, you know, everyone is thinking that they'll take a step back. Nope. If a step back, you mean by like, you know, 5% or like a 5% decrease from Mahomes' MVP season last year, that's still excellent. That's still fantastic. And so imagine the Chiefs will be in top 10, if not top 5, for offensive scoring, offensive yards, passing yards, even rushing yards. They have the talent to do it. Uh, they have the coaching staff to do it. And so congrats on the Chiefs being the Jags. Uh, congrats to Mahomes. Falcons versus Vikings. Uh, Vikings held a victory. Uh, ran the ball almost 30 times, I believe. 21 of those carries went to Delvin Cook. Kirk Cousins only threw the ball 10 times, 8 out of 10 for 98 yards and touchdown. Uh, defense smothered the Falcons' offense, made Matt Ryan, even though he might, even though Matt Ryan threw over 300 yards and two touchdowns, I believe. Uh, he also threw two interceptions and threw the ball 43 times, completed 30 of it. Now, still good in terms of statistical-wise, but uh, Vikings' defense completely smothered him 20, uh, 28 to 12. Uh, congrats to the Vikings. Um, Jets v. Bills. Competitive game, yet no one cared. I don't think any of these teams will be in playoff contention, but I certainly think they'll improve from last season. Uh, the score in that game was 17-16. Bills won. Very competitive game. Uh, it was sloppy offensively for the Bills in the first half. And it included the third quarter up until the fourth quarter when we started coming back. They... they uh, Turnover the ball four times. The Bills forced two turnovers against the Jets. It was a competitive game, but uh, I don't think anyone really cared unless you're Jets and Bills fans. All right, Titans v. Browns. Talent or not, penalties kill a team. Browns had 18 penalties, over, amassing over 200 yards. Very unfortunate. They got blown out by 30 points, 43-13. Congrats to the Titans on winning. But even though you amassed in the first half, alone over 200 yards offensively. It was negated by penalties, which they had 12 of that, 10 at that time, and it was 480 yards. So very when you're when you're being penalized and you're committing a bunch of penalties each game, very difficult to, to win games. Uh, and to consistently call plays that will help you work out of those, you know, first and long, second and long, um, but penalties kills the team. Redskins versus Eagles. Jackson Howell, I'll tell you, 32 years old, and he had eight receptions, 154 yards, two touchdowns. He burned the Redskins' defense. He also is now second most all-time for receptions going for touchdowns over 50 yards, and he's right behind Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is 36, Sean is 31, and he just passed Randy Moss, who has 29. So congrats to the Eagles winning that game. Rams versus Panthers, battle of the running game. Look, the Panthers' offense is going to go flow through uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he had over 100 yards rushing. He almost had 100 yards receiving. Rams are very balanced. They ran almost 30 times. Todd Gurley almost had 100 yards. Malcolm Brown had two rushing touchdowns. So it's going to be uh, run balance for both, for both teams throughout the year. Colts versus Chargers. Luck or not, Brissett has skill. He didn't turn over the ball, but he wasn't, you know, at Andrew Luck, level, excellence. Chargers won that game, went in overtime, 30-24. Even without Melvin Gordon, Chargers would do fine. All right, Bengals v. Seahawks. Zach Taylor's pass-heavy offense. Andy Dalton threw the ball 51 times. 
Zach Taylor came from Shawnee Bay's coaching staff this past season, and I expect him to be run balanced, but it looks like he'll go pass heavy this year. Uh, by the way, Seahawks won that game 21-20. Giants v. Cowboys. Giants turned Dak Prescott into elite QB. Dak threw over 400 yards, four touchdowns, had a high QB rating of 158. Uh, Giants rebuild mode. Uh, 35-17. 49ers versus Bucks with a revout. Bruce Arians, James Winston, still terrible. And uh, Bucks receiving his core is still terrible. Game was 31-17. Lions versus Cards, another competitive game, yet no one cared when it overtime. It was tie ball game, 27-27. Um, so, Kyle Murray did okay. Good comeback, but wasn't a win. And Lions choked, but at least he didn't lose. Tie ball game. All right, uh, Steelers versus Pats, TB12's diet is another cheat code. Tom Brady, 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, no turnovers. Dominant win, 33-3. All right, Times v. Saints. Details matter. Um, so before I explain, we'll take a quick break real quick. Um, but I'm about to explain why. And the reason why I'm taking a quick break is this one requires a little bit of more details. So we'll be right back. Sorry, I need some water there. Um, yes, details matter. Um, look, I know everyone's upset over the Texans on that play before that game-winning field goal the Saints had that they backed off in coverage and gave you, and, and surrendered enough yards for that 58-yard game-winning field goal. You have to understand, though, all right, if they were in press coverage, it was a guarantee. No matter how well they how well they are in terms of pressing and bumping the receiver, that Drew Brees was going to throw an accurate pass that was going to be completed. And they'll still kick a game-winning field goal. Doesn't matter. Uh, because they were in press coverage all game and got beat. Not so much downfield. There was only one completion or, yeah, one completion over 20 yards by Drew Brees. But because they're being beat in press coverage through through crossing routes that ended up being, you know, between 10 to 15 yards, uh, short routes, they're being beat in press coverage. You also have to understand that, yes, they backed off. But Aaron Colvin was the one that made that tackle and enabled the Saints to call that timeout. In college, if a receiver catches the ball and goes down, he's down. You can't touch him. Or she's down. You can't touch him. Or touch her. Uh, you can't touch the player. Otherwise, be a penalty. Um, but in the NFL, whether, uh, whether he or she catches that ball and goes down on the ground, you still have to touch the player or tackle the player to the ground. Tankian caught the ball and fell to the ground. Had Aaron Colvin not made that tackle, they could have run out the clock, made sure they tackled Tankian, make sure, again, the clock was at zero, and they would have won the game. And then the game would have been about um, refs making whiff calls for the Saints, which they did. They made bad calls, but the Saints were still overcome that and win the game. But the reason why, the main reason, in games don't, are not defined by one play, but one play can significantly go in another team's favor, and that's what happened. Aaron Colvin made the tackle. He got cut today or yesterday, I think. He made the tackle. He didn't. If he didn't make that tackle automatically when Tankian fell to the ground and there's two seconds left, that clock would have run down to zero. Again, tackle Tankian, make sure there was no uh, clock left, and they would have won the game. It would have been 
held his Megan's and come back by Deshaun Watson and the Texans offense would have been a great play by Texas defense. Um, but it was not great awareness by Aaron Colvin. Um, it sucks that he got cut, but he was also playing terrible that game. And it was self-awareness. He was the only one. He was the only one to tackle. Cunningham, the linebacker, he, he was going towards Ted Ginn, but he wasn't tackling him. He, he stayed. Everyone else kind of stayed, but Cunningham could have made that tackle, but he stayed first just to make sure the time would have ran out. But Aaron Colvin made the tackle, and the Saints were able to call a timeout because Aaron Colvin made a tackle, made sure the receiver was down, but there's still time left. Again, and I won't go too much into this because I'm about, I'm about to transition to the next game. Had Aaron Colvin not made the tackle, time would have ran out, then tackle Ted Ginn, game would have been over. But that's why details matter. I summarize this game as details matter. Both for the ref's sake, for understanding the game, um, both for the Texans defense. Um, when you're in that that um, that clutch time, that situational time in the fourth quarter, under two minutes, under 30 seconds, six seconds left in the game, Ted Ginn fell to the ground. You didn't need to tackle him until the clock hit zero. And um, that's a mistake. And 58 field, a yard field goals aren't easy to make, but Will, Will Lutz made that look easy. So congrats to the Saints again on winning. I still think Houston will start a successful season. Um, look, if they can play competitive against playoff teams and either beat them or at least lose in a close matchup, They'll still be good. I still think they'll make the second playoff positioning. Um, but, again, they'll learn from it. Details matter. Understanding the game matters. And, again, congrats to the Saints winning that game. All right, last but definitely not least, Raiders versus Broncos. Um, no pass rush from Broncos. You know, Vic Mangio is a team that is defensive-minded, amazing coach. Um, but there's barely any QB hits. Or sacks in that game against the Raiders. Raiders arguably have the worst, have one of the worst O lines in the game, and yet they handle the Broncos pass rush with no problem, and won that game twenty four to to sixteen. So um, it's just unfortunate um, that there was no pass rush. But again, congrats to the Raiders. Also, again, if I didn't mention this, the game for the Texans versus Saints ended up being thirty to twenty eight. So. Um, that's about it in terms of reviewing the games. Uh, thank you for listening. Whether it's early in the morning, mid-afternoon, or night, again, thank you for taking the time to listen. Uh, next episode will be prior to Sunday's game, so I'll release it either Friday or Saturday. And then I'll also review the Thursday night's game between the Bucks and the Panthers and then give my uh, predictions or at least also kind of preview the games as to what to watch for. So, again, thank you so much for listening, and uh, have a great day. Again, it's Griff Talks Football. Yes, I know it's not original, but it's my fucking show anyway. So, uh, thank you so much again, and uh, I'll release another episode soon. Take care.